Happy New Year. Obviously, I'm not Pastor Ben. Um, if I were your pastor, I would just say, you know, let's go back to our vehicles, get in a large caravan, and go to the IHOP, and just call it church. Who's with me? Six of you are. Great. We'll have a great time. Yes, uh, so my name is Dan Noel. My wife, Amy, is here as well. And uh, we are longtime friends of Ben and Jill, go back many, many years. We have been blessed to watch their ministry from its beginnings, literally um, from the time they married and uh, the time they began to establish uh, their ministry here in this area. And so we have watched the different phases that this church has uh, gone through, the transitions you've experienced. Pastor Ben, is a, he's a smart guy, isn't he? Yeah, uh, if he's watching the video, uh, three people nodded their head, Pastor, just to let you know. I always thought he was a smart guy. I mean, we went to the same school, and he graduated, I don't know, cum laude or summa laude or something. I, I graduated, thank you, laude, you know, just, trying, just trying to get by. <laughs> and, um, and so um, we, we live in Springboro. We don't live that far from you. We're kind of neighbors and yes, we have three sons who are all in college. Yes, I'll take your prayers. And, um, and we just are so glad to be here on this uh, new day of the new year with you. So I grew up as a preacher's kid, and my father was a pastor for 40 years. I have three brothers that were pastors. My grandfather was a pastor. Uh, at our, in our you know, family reunions, even the dog, you know, when you would say heal, it would go... You know, like, so I'm, I'm trying to tell you in a very blunt way, I, I grew up kind of churchy. And so uh, it's, it's an honor to be here. And this Will, it, Will is awesome. Wasn't the music awesome today? I just, wish, I just wish you guys would just help him out just to be a little bit more energetic. Uh, if you could do that for Will. He needs a little bit more energy. But I thought it sounded great. Wonderful music this morning. And so New Day, the New Year. I have a thought about that, a thought that I would like to share with you this morning as we explore this idea of what does it mean every year when we embark upon this same day called New Year's. Uh, there was a, an R&B artist, Michael Franti, who has this song. You can look it up on YouTube. It's called 1159, and the lyrics go something like this. It's 1159 in 59 seconds. If I'm going to die tonight, I want to go to heaven. And the song really isn't about going to heaven as much as it is about being on the edge of some change. Being at that last second before you realize that you're embarking upon something different and something new. And so I want to, I don't know how you are at this time of year, but every New Year's I'm, I'm always kind of in this reflective mode of Asking myself questions like, did I really accomplish some of the things that I wanted to accomplish this past year? Did you know that Forbes magazine uh, did a study and found that 40% of Americans make New Year's resolutions, but the University of Scranton found that only 8% of those folks actually keep their New Year's resolutions after one year. So... If you're like me, you're probably in that 92% that doesn't lose weight, 
Uh, you're probably in that, like me, uh, you set those goals where those hang-ups and those habits that you would like to overcome or do away with or change, it just seems to be an uphill climb. I really don't want to talk about that today so much as I want to talk about not this idea of change, but this idea of transformation. You see, I've, I've grown up in church all my life, and maybe some of you have, and maybe you haven't. Maybe church is something kind of new for you, but um, I just, you know, I, I, I just don't want to be changed by the same old routines in life, the same old mundane, sort of like the hamster in the wheel. I want a true transformation in my life. And so, if you're like me at New Year's, I want us to explore or discover just for a few moments together what what does this mean the difference between a change and a transformation I, you see i think change is just we can change our clothes our hairstyle sometimes life events cause us to make some changes but what i want to just explore today with you is this idea of transformation transformation is different than change transformation is more deeper than change. Transformation is from the inside out. It's this seismic or cataclysmic shift in our identity of who we are. It's seismic or cataclysmic shift in the way in which we behave and do things and something that causes us to be transformed. If you've come to know Christ and maybe some of you have for years or maybe you've Uh, had a spiritual walk now for a few years in your life, you know what that means to truly have Christ transform you. So I want to take you to um, a little lesson that I found in the Old Testament that I think talks about this idea of being truly transformed and not just changed. And so if you have your devices or a Bible today, Turn to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. Genesis chapter 32. And I want to share a very, what I think is one of the most peculiar stories for me in the Old Testament. It's a story of a guy named Jacob. And if, whether you've been in church for any number of years or not, um, if you have, you've You've heard of the the, the, uh, character of Jacob in the Bible. In fact, in the Old Testament, when we read through, we see oftentimes this phrase that he served the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And that was a phrase that often was used to show heritage, to show lineage of faith of generations. So we get to this guy named Jacob. And Jacob is one of the most interesting characters in the Old Testament to me because of the way in which he conducted his life, but also he reaches this point where he truly is transformed. And so if you're like me, you're tired sometimes. And again, I was raised in church, but I find myself reaching these seasons of my life where I get sort of weary of going through motions, going to church, going to work, trying to accumulate stuff to have a nice life. Have you ever reached a point where you just kind of stop and reflect? Maybe it's like me at time of New Year's and you stop and you think, what is this all really for? Why am I doing all of this? 
This is why we call it the rat race. Is it really worth it? So I, if you're like me, you kind of get reflective. And I want to show you where Jacob does the same thing. You know, the Bible is one of the most interesting books because you read about some of these characters and individuals thousands of years ago and their emotions and their behaviors their response to what God is doing in their life is no different than us in 2017. So I want to pull out just a couple of golden nuggets as we look through the life of Jacob and this a particular event that happens to him. And I want to see if, like me, if you are able to find these golden nuggets and think about this question today. Is it time that my life reaches a place where I really want God to transform from the inside out, and not just change. And so if you're in Genesis 32, we're going to start with verse 22. Genesis 32 and 22. Just a few verses here, but it's a really, can I just be honest, it's kind of a weird story. If you've not, never read this story before, you might, get, you might kind of look at the person next to you and go, huh? You'll do it just like that, I know, it'll sound like that. Here we go. 32, Genesis 32, starting at verse 22. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, two female servants, 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok River. After he sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. And then look at verse 24. So Jacob was left alone. Here's where it gets weird. And a man wrestled with him Till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it's daybreak. Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he said. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with man, and you have overcome. Jacob said, well, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God's face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Okay, goodbye. Thanks for coming today. <laughs> Real interesting story. This guy named Jacob. But here's some of the golden nuggets as we think about this idea of being transformed. Jacob reaches a point in his life. Did you know his name, Jacob, actually meant, as translated, the deceiver? How you doing? I'm Bob. Uh, how are you? I'm deceiver. Nice to meet you. I'm schemer. Nice to meet you. In fact, that was very, very common in biblical times, was to assign a son or daughter a name that actually represented their identity, their nature. So here Jacob, the deceiver, has this name. Why? He has this name because if you read the life of Jacob, he loved to negotiate better than probably our president-elect. <laughs> He was a schemer, a negotiator. In fact, one of the first stories about Jacob 
is that he fools his blind father into thinking that he's his brother and takes his brother's birthright. And from that point on throughout his life, Jacob is spending most of his life running, lying, trying to make deals. Sometimes he's successful. Sometimes he gets stuff. Other times he loses. Here's the point. We get to this part of Jacob's life. And like a telescope, we sort of focus in on this story and we find Jacob tired. He's probably middle-aged and he gets to this river and he has all of his stuff. His life was about accumulating a lot of stuff. He had some wealth and he reaches this river And he says to his family and his wives and his sons, he says, I want you to cross over the river without me. And he sends them over. And then he sends all of his stuff over. And then the scripture says that he was left alone, tired. He's kind of reached a point where he's had enough. Maybe it's kind of like New Year's. He's by himself and he's reflecting. What is this all for? What's this about? Not too long ago, uh, actually back in the early 2000s, if you've been attending church for any amount of time, if you remember back in the 2000s, there was a, a little book that you could read in about 30 minutes called The Prayer of Jabez. Has anyone ever read this book? Oh, there's some hands. Okay. Jabez was another person in the Old Testament where his name actually meant pain. <laughs> hey, I'm Bob. Uh, my name's Pain. What a name. The book of Jabez, though, is this wonderful book about how to pray a prayer of blessing. In fact, Jabez's prayer is, Lord, bless me and expand my territories. And I remember when that book came out and a lot of folks in church, you know, were excited because it was a prayer of blessing. But let me give you this thought today. I think it's easy to pray the prayer of Jabez. But what about the prayer of Jacob? Jacob's prayer is a little bit different It's about persevering. And so what I want to do this morning is give you real quickly three, what I think are ingredients or three keys to what it means to be spiritually transformed from the inside out. How do I know? I want to give you three things. And if you want to write them down or put them in a device, that's fine. But here they are. The first thing I want you to notice about Jacob's story here. It's number one, and I think this is the first key to truly being spiritually transformed. Here it is. Jacob was left alone. How many of you truly know how to unplug from the world? Two people. That's great. Can I be honest? Thank you for your honesty, because it's tough to unplug in what we call a digital age. In fact, Pew Research in 2012 did a study on millennials. If you're between the ages of about 18 to 29, they found out that millennials perceive their cell phones as appendages of themselves. And then millennials and Gen Xers like me and some baby boomers, Pew Research found out that we sleep within about a six-foot reach of our phones. We might get a text at 2 a.m. We have to answer it, right? 
And so these things, and I realized how important phones became. I have three college-age sons, and um, I'm teaching class one day. I teach at Wright State full-time, and uh, I was teaching class, and I got, I received about 25 text dings on my phone in about 16 seconds. And when I look and I saw it was one of my sons, and I thought, this is serious. I had a break coming up in class, and I said, you know, folks, we need a break. I, I, I need to take care of something. And I'm thinking that, you know, my son put the car in the ditch. He's in an emergency room somewhere. I finally, I call, and it's not my son, it's my other son. And, he's, and he said, um, well, Dad, I'm using, I'm using my brother's phone because you got to come home, you got to come home. I said, what's wrong? Is everybody okay? Oh, yeah, I just dropped my phone and it shattered all over in pieces. And I've already found the nearest iPhone store and it closes a certain certain time and if we go now I've already put us in the queue to wait in line to get I was like really serious if you're a Gen Xer like me you know I dropped my phone about six months ago and it shattered and I stood there for a while and I said oh, that's a shame I'll get one next month you know so we you know our perspective of unplugging when was the last time you and I really Unplugged from the world. Where do your thoughts go when it's just you and God? I think a key to really wanting to be transformed by Christ from the inside out, you and I have to find moments, maybe it's in our week or our day, some time that we deliberately and intentionally get alone with God. Maybe for 2017, that could be a new goal for us that we set. That not just, oh, I got to pray more because I'm supposed to be a Christian. You know what? I want to get alone with God because I want to be transformed from the inside out. It says in Genesis that Jacob got alone. I think that's the first key. The second key, I think, is not only did Jacob get alone with God, but here's the, the most weirdest part of this story. Jacob wrestled. He wrestled all night with this person. Bible scholars cannot agree who this person was, why this person showed up, and lastly, why they were wrestling all night. It's, it's a mystery of the Bible. I think we'll, we will probably never know. Some say, well, it was a man that had some angst against Jacob. Most Bible scholars say, no, this was a being, some kind of a spiritual being, maybe an angel, sent by God to interrupt Jacob's life at that moment. Very interesting. But it's clear Jacob wrestled with this being sent by God all night. I have three boys. We wrestled all the time when they were growing up. I could handle them when they were like four. They're all about the same age, 18 and 20 and 20. Now, you know, they're six foot four, six foot three. I could take about two minutes. And then I always just, you know, I do the dad thing, the cool dad thing. Yeah, I don't want to hurt you, son. I <sighs> try to keep my belly from flopping over my belts. But he wrestled all night with this being. Here's the point. Do you know that God will oftentimes bring in interrupters into our life 
Sometimes God allows situations to happen in our life that cause us to grapple and wrestle. Maybe it's an ambiguous type of situation. Maybe it's some kind of adversity. Now, let me be clear about something. I don't think for a second that God is some old man sitting on a throne up in space with a big long beard and he strokes that beard and he's looking to see when you're gonna make your next bad move. I don't think God is like that at all. I think God loves us so much that he allows things to happen so that we will become stronger and grow. Anyone ever have a personal trainer? Anyone gonna get a personal trainer in 2017? Yeah, what I've noticed about personal trainers, they never, you know, yawn and go, uh, you know what, just do whatever you want. No, they're in your face. They cause pain. <laughs> in an odd way, and I know I'm simplifying this, but God, I think, allows circumstance because he wants us to wrestle. Did you know in the New Testament, over in Romans, an apostle named Paul wrote and said this, he said, rejoice when you suffer. He didn't mean be happy. He just meant be content, be focused when suffering comes your way. And here's what Paul said. When it happens to you, when you suffer, you're persevering. And when you're persevering, you're becoming a person of character. And when you're becoming a person of character, you have hope. And Paul says that hope will not disappoint you. Wow. That tells me that God sometimes brings situation or allows things in our, in our lives or events to occur, or maybe he sends interventions to get our attention and to help us mature and to help us grow and to help us transform. Number one, Jacob got alone. Number two, he wrestled. And then look, number three, the third key, I think, to being spiritually transformed. Jacob persevered. I don't know about you, but this is the age where, you know, information is at your fingertips. How many of you remember when you went to college and you had to look up something in the library? You had to go to a place called the library, right? Yeah. This is an age where everything is very quick, very instant. And I think if we're not careful, as Christ followers, we lose what it means to persevere to hang on, as my grandpa used to say, to keep on keeping on. And as I get older, I'm realizing what that phrase means. And this is exactly what happens here to Jacob. He's wrestling all night with this angel, excruciating physical pain. Maybe he was on the ground hugging these, uh, this angel's uh, you know, ankles, or maybe he had the angel in a headlock doing the WWF or something. I don't know what was happening, but we just know they wrestled all through the night. And the scripture here says, the angel says, you've got to let me go. The sun's coming up. This is just going too long. And Jacob says this, I will not let you go until you bless me. Now, this idea of blessing is a little strange for us, I know, in 2017, but the idea of blessing was very common in biblical times to receive a blessing. Many times it was an affirmation. It was a confirmation. Have you ever prayed about something and you didn't get an answer right away? And 
Let me ask you, was it easy to just kind of give up? Or do you go back and pray again and pray again? And through that, find joy. And through that, find perseverance. And through that, you find that you're building character. There's something, too, hanging in there. In fact, in the New Testament, Jesus talked about a man who was having guests at his house and he didn't have any food. So he goes to his neighbor and he keeps knocking on the door late at night. And the neighbor's saying, go away, leave me alone. The Bible calls this the man of importunity. He kept knocking and kept knocking. And this was a parable that Jesus used. You know what a parable is. It's two bulls standing together. All right, erase that from the video. Um, Jesus was using this parable to say, when you ask me for something, come back again. Come back again. Is it because Jesus wants us to beg? Let me tell you why God sometimes does this in our lives. Sometimes he answers prayers right away. Sometimes it seems like we have to hang on and we have to persevere. Do you know why? He desires your relationship with him. He wants you to come back. He wants to know that that your love is true and pure and that you desire to worship and live your life out for him. And watch what he does. He'll transform you from the inside out. Jacob wrestled all night but he persevered. And the angel finally said, to, this, is, this is incredible, what is your name? Kind of an odd thing to ask, especially if you're sent by God. Doesn't God know our name? I think when you're alone with God, I think when you wrestle with the ambiguities of life, and I think when you persevere in your prayers, you're going to find that you're spiritually transformed. And real quickly, I want to give you three things that happen. Three things that happen when God truly transforms us spiritually from the inside and out. Three things that happened to Jacob. Number one, his identity changed. Do you remember me saying earlier that your name in biblical times was often associated with your identity? As a matter of fact, Abram's name, after he encountered God in a supernatural way, was changed to Abraham. In the New Testament, a guy named Saul, who was really out persecuting and killing Christians, has this encounter with Jesus Christ on a road to Damascus, and his name was changed from Saul to Paul. This is a theme we find in Scripture, and here's the point for you and, and for me. When you and I truly encounter God, the first thing I think that happens when we have spiritual transformation, our identity changes. Our name changes. And so Jacob's wrestling with this being sent from God. Odd question. The being looks down and says, what's your name? God knows our name. But do you know sometimes God wants us to say it? He wants to, us to speak who we really are inside. He wants us to confess the habits, the hang-ups, those dark places. He wants that from you and me. He wants us to say it. And the angel says, what's your name? And he says, my name's Jacob. My name's Deceiver. My name's Schemer. Let me ask you this morning, what's your name? And if God were to ask you in a time of quietness and stillness, what would you say? I think that's the first thing that happens when we have spiritual transformation is our identity changes. The second thing I think happens is our walk changes. Remember in the story that I read a few moments ago, they wrestle, 
And the angel reaches down and touches the hip of Jacob and knocks his hip out of socket. I mean, what a move. Isn't that an awesome move? Just touch somebody's hip and their hip go out of socket. Don't let me have that power. I do it all day. Waiting in line at Walmart. Yeah, get out of my way. I'm not a nice guy. Yeah. His hip goes out of socket, crippling him. And the Bible says that that next morning he had to get up and he had a limp. As he's coming across the river to meet his family, he's limping. Do you know someone that maybe you work with or someone in your family? You don't see them for a few days and then they show up and they have a cast and they have crutches. What's the first thing you do is, oh man, what happened to you? What'd you do? <laughs> That's what I like to say. What'd you do? <laughs> That's what happened to Jacob. He comes home he comes across the river limping, and his family knew something's happened, something's different. When you and I encounter God and there's a true spiritual transformation from the inside out, people you work with, your family will physically know something about you is different. Your walk is different. You don't talk like you used to. You, you don't seem to hang out at some of the places you used to. You just seem different. That's what happens when God transforms us. Our identity changes. Our walk changes. And lastly, thirdly, you know what else happens when we have transformation is our, our worldview changes, the way we see things. Jacob gets up the next morning. He's limping. And he looks around and he sees trees and rocks. He sees the river before him. And he said, you know, this is not just some campsite where I spent the night wrestling with it. Something very divine happened to me here. Something supernatural happened to me. I feel different. So his perspective changed. His surroundings changed. As a matter of fact, he gave that place a name. And that was also very common. When something spectacular happened to you in biblical times, you would say, you know what? I'm going to give this place a name. And the name he gave it meant the face of God. I, I actually saw God here. He believed he saw the face of God. Interesting story. So the question to you is, 2017 is now here. Do you just want to kind of go to church, and go to work, and go through the motions? Or are you like me? Do you want to... Do you want to stop and unplug and say, God, I really want to be open, my mind, my heart, to you transforming me from the inside out. I want an, a, a different identity. I want a different walk. I want to see the world differently. I need something in my life to just, I, I need a shift, a seismic shift, a change that's permanent, transforming. Did you know that because of this story, the, there are some Jews to this day who will not eat the sinew that's attached in the hip bone? They do it out of respect and remembrance of this particular story that happened to Jacob. Here's the point I think this makes for you and for me. Maybe you are the one in your family generations that says, you know, I really want to be transformed by God. How many of us, generationally, when we look at our parents, our grandparents, there might be some hang-ups, 
bad habits, anger issues, abuse. And you be the person to say, you know what? With me, it stops. And generations that come after me will know and remember my identity is different. My walk is different. My perspective of the world is different. Why? Because I've been transformed by God from the inside out. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are our Father. We desire from you to have a different identity, a different walk, and a different outlook on this thing we call life. Transform us, God. Just sitting in the quietness of this uh, room today, wonderful people that I've met. God, maybe there is some here that just need an intervention by you. I pray, cross their path. Send them some supernatural or divine intervention that causes them to be transformed from the inside out. Amen. 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 Hey, would you join me in thanking Dan for his sermon this morning? That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, at this point, would you go ahead, everybody in the room, grab out your Connect card. We're going to take a couple bold steps together. We're going to start the year off right in 2017 by doing that. And the first one is this. If you were here in the room and you heard something and you want to make Jesus not only just somebody you hear about, but someone that could be the leader of your life and you want to put in the center of everything, would you do that? Would you just mark next step A? We're going to be in contact with you more this week about what that means and some next steps that we can kind of surround you and encourage you with that. And then also, next step B is on January 29th, we're going to have baptisms here. And if you've been around for any certain amount of time, baptisms at Four Corners are awesome, awesome, awesome. We already have a couple people signed up. So if you want to make your faith public and go in front of all your friends and say that Jesus is the one you're going to be following, please mark that. And uh, we're going to check back in with you on that. Next step C is this. I will pray this prayer this week going into 2017. God, use me in a unique and challenging way in 2017. It's a bold prayer to pray and ask God to use you. Next step D is, is this. I want to make church, and church will be a bigger part of my family's life in 2017 than it was in 2016. We love seeing you here, but also we want you to be plugged into what's happening here in the life of our church. Next step E is this. Send me information about 4C's February marriage retreat. We're going to be gathering together as couples to grow, to make 2017 a banner year, not only here, but in our marriages, in our lives, in our spouse's life as well. So mark that, and we're going to send you details regarding that. So would you bow your head? We're going to pray again. Dear Lord, thank you so much. We love you. Lord, we want to know you better this year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.